On this episode of the Advanced Foundations Podcast, Free Indeed is a journey to wholeness and healing as you walk in the victory of all Christ paid for at the cross. And we want to talk about really the keys to freedom. I don't have this passage in there, but let me just quote it to you. Matthew 16, they asked Jesus, they said, who, he asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? So, well, some say you're John the Baptist, or some say you're Elijah, or some whoever. You, he said, but who do you say that I am? And they said, well, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God, Peter says. He said, that's right, Peter. He said, flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but my Father in heaven. And upon this rock, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give to you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind will be bound, whatever you loose will be loosed. So he's given to us keys, keys to lock and to unlock and to help us represent him. <clears throat> well, these keys, we need to understand how powerful they are. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now, I've heard this, this passage for years, and especially being in church for years. I mean, we're, we're supposed to pray and pray for our nation and all that. And it, it, it's true. It was a passage of Scripture that was to Israel, what they were supposed to do. But I think it's, it's very good for us, too. Uh, we are the people of God. We are called by His name. And I, th I don't think we fully understand the, the power of humility. Um, the Word tells us to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And, and again, don't ask to be humbled, or at least don't ask around me to be humble, because God doesn't have a problem in humbling you. No, it's, it, it says it's an imperative, humble yourself. It means you can. And humble is not acting a certain way. It's an attitude of the heart that's submissive to him and his word. Because, again, a lot of times we have people, you know, say, well, you know, so-and-so is just prideful. And so-and-so's humble. Well, that's, most of the time we're looking at externals. You really don't know the heart. Because a lot of times someone that acts humble may be full of pride. And someone that actually looks like they're sort of prideful may be a humble heart. So, but God looks at the heart. So humility is huge. And I've, we've got scriptures here you can look at. The next one is, uh, next key I think is to seek God, not the things of God, on the next page. He is a loving father. Uh, as a father, I love my children, but I don't want my children just to, all they want is something I can give them. You know, I just love them. I want them to, to, to have a reciprocal relationship. I love to give gifts. I love to give things to them. Uh, I'm telling you, our father does too. But he really wants us to seek him, not just seek his hand. And so, that's something that God wants to do. He's like, hey, I want you to come to me. Come to me. You know, do you realize that when we come to him, we have everything? I mean, so much time in our prayers are spent, Lord, I need this, I need this, I need this for this, person, I need this. And he's just saying, you know, hey, hey, just come to me. Because when you come to me, you get everything. And if we could just realize that, wow, he just wants us to be, to fall in love with him, to just love him, and to just to delight in him because he delights in us. And in that delighting, 
really every, everything. Everything. See, I've, I've, I've not withheld anything. I've given you everything. I've gone to the cross and died for you. I mean, if I, I haven't held back anything. So he wants us to seek him. The other thing is, is accept responsibility for your actions and responses. The problem in the fall in the garden is that Adam blamed, he blamed God and he blamed Eve. He said, look, it's that woman you gave me. That characteristic is in all of us. And, and why it's so important to accept responsibility because you will never get healed, delivered, set free. You'll never grow until you take responsibility for your own life. Because the moment that I say, well, it was that woman you gave me, or it's that pastor in that church, or it's my boss, or it's somebody, the moment we start pointing that finger, you realize that there's three pointing back. You know, that's the problem. The problem is not someone else. And, and, try, and always blaming somebody gets us nowhere. Turn the page to page 40. Most people handle sin in one of these three ways, or these ways, by denying that it's sin, by calling issues, I've got a problem. I have people come up and say, I've got a little problem. Mm, probably not. Uh, you know, well, this situation is going on. This circumstance is happening. Um, what, this, what we do we put it off, and it never really gets handled. Another way is we blame someone else. Third way is we completely ignore it, act like it's not there. But what what has already been paid for is sin. Jesus has already paid for sin. So when we can get to a fact to say that's right, that is that's right, that's sin. The moment that we can call sin what God calls sin, we can get free. Until we take responsibility for our actions. Nothing really happens. And you can go to ministry and get prayed for. You can go out do all kinds of things. But, but the bottom line is we have to accept responsibility that, yeah, you're right. That was right. That was sin. Now, God never calls me a sinner. He says, I love you, but that's sin. And the way you get free of that is to recognize that that's already been forgiven. See, he's already paid for sin. He didn't pay for your problems. He paid for sin. He dealt with the sin issue at the cross, already been paid for. So if we keep it in a problem issue, well, I've got a little problem. I have a, I have a, you know, a, a pornography problem, or I have an alcohol problem, or I have a, an addiction problem. Okay, you're going to keep it until you can get down and call it what God calls it. Because once you can call it sin, he goes, I've already dealt with that. Come on. We can get free. So it's so important to recognize, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's power in us agreeing with God. That's my point. Uh, and that's where we got to get to. We want blame to blame other people, and we want to put it off on somebody else's fault. If the church had only done this, if my boss had only do this, if I had this or that, we keep putting things off, we keep it, and we won't ever get free. Now, the fourth thing here, a, a true key of, of really getting free is choosing to forgive. And this is, a, this is so powerful. Uh, forgiveness is love in action. And I say that many, many times, but when you think about what forgiveness is, because that's what Jesus did at the cross. On the cross, he's hanging there. He's been cruelly beaten and punished 
and he's got nails driven through. I mean, the, the, the pain of the cross is horrible. And what does he do? He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We have another example in Acts. Stephen is being stoned to death. Now, I can't imagine being stoned to death either. Neither one of those sound very pleasant. But he, is at the, he, he looks into heaven, sees Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father, and he says, don't hold this against them. Forgave them. You know who was there? Saul. I, I can't imagine. It doesn't say that he that impacted his life, but I bet it did. But the reality is that forgiveness is huge because that's what Jesus did for us. He forgave us. And so at the top of the next page there, the freedom you experience will be determined by the depth of your choosing to forgive. Now, that's a statement. That's my statement. But I really believe that the, we don't really fully understand the power of forgiveness. He forgave us a debt that we could not pay. He forgave us. And he didn't just forgive us for doing something. He forgave us completely. The passages that you, Matthew 6, 14 and 15, says, if you forgive men their trespass, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If you do not forgive men your trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Matthew 5, 23 and 24 says, Therefore bring your gift to the altar, and there remember if you have a brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar. Go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gifts. See, Jesus died for us, forgave us. And what does he say the greatest command is? That we would love the Lord with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like it, that you would love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, Jesus in John 13, before he's getting ready to go to the cross, he says, the new commandment I give to you is that you would love one another as I have loved you. So when they ask him what's the greatest command, he takes the 10 commandments and turns them into two. And then later Jesus says, well, I'm just going to take that and turn it into one. I'm just going to turn it into one commandment. Love one another the way I've loved you. And we read John 17, where he says, the love that the Father loved me and my love for the Father, that Father's in you. So there's no restriction on God's end of loving us. So he's wanting us to release that love to other people. And practically speaking, that's in forgiveness. Matthew 18, this is a, a passage that is amazing in, in Scripture. Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but to 70 times seven. Again, I love reading Scripture and, and thinking about uh, what that would be like if I were actually there. I mean, I'm sure Peter is thinking, you know, I, I'm tired of this person offending me. You know, do I have to, how many times do I have to forgive the guy? Do I have to forgive him seven times? You know, which is the, the number of completion and number of perfection. And, uh, but that eighth time, I'm going to get him. I can't wait to get, is it seven enough? Is seven enough? Because I'm ready to slap the guy silly. And Jesus says, no, 70 times seven. Now, remember what he asked. He said, how often my brother sinned against me, I forgive him up to seven times. I don't say the 70 times, but the 70 times seven. I'm sure Peter's just going, what? You've got to be kidding me. Now, it doesn't say that in here. I just know he said that. <laughs> he said, so he tells this parable. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. 
And when he began to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, I said yesterday, in these parables, what Jesus does is that he makes them outlandish. He's making a point. You know, he's just, wow, 10,000 talents, that, that's, so, that's so huge. You know, if you try to figure that up today, if it was gold or whatever it was, I mean, it's millions and millions and millions of dollars. The guy had the large debt, but he was not able to pay. His master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. Well, he already said he couldn't, couldn't pay it. The servant, therefore, fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Again, it's, we're talking about probably a week's wages, not a very major amount at all, small amount. He laid hands on him, took him by the throat, and said, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servants fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. He did the exact same thing. And, but he would not. He went and threw him into prison until he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were grieved, and they came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? His master was angry and delivered him to the torturers, some translations say tormentors, until he should pay all that was due him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Amazing story. You see, what the problem is that the master, and he's telling the story, that's God. And he's basically saying, look, you have a debt that you cannot pay. It's impossible for us to reconcile ourselves to God. There is no way that we could heal ourselves. There's no way that we could be forgiven. We, had, we couldn't bridge the gap from our sin to a holy God. So God chose to do it himself. He basically extended compassion and forgiveness and completely released us. And it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that God was in Christ reconciling the whole world to himself, not imputing their sins to them. So it was all God. God did it all. He saw the condition that we were in. He came to us. He completely dealt with the sin issue by going to the cross and dying with our sin, taking our shame, everything dying our death, paying the penalty in full so that we could be reconciled to Father and that we could be restored to a relationship that we could not have, which is basically we have been forgiven. And so what he's saying here, he's saying, then how dare you go out and get unforgiveness and hold unforgiveness toward a brother or sister? See, we, that's, the, that's our problem right there. Because we said, but you don't know what people have done to me. You don't know how I've been abused and how I've been slandered and how I've been just what's going on in my life. You, you don't understand what's going on there. God says, I do. You don't understand how big the debt was you had that you've been forgiven. And that's the whole story. The story is trying to say is that, look, your debt was so big and, you were, and I forgave you. 
Therefore, you've got to forgive the people who have hurt you. And see, that's the hard part we have because we really don't see the debt that we were forgiven that big. We just don't see it. But the reality is that, yes, it was. And now he's saying, look, I want you to forgive. See, forgiveness is a choice, not a feeling. I have people say, I don't feel like forgiving. I know you don't feel like forgiving. feel like killing them. I mean, nobody feels like forgiving. No, forgiveness is a, it's a choice. It's not out of your emotions. It's really a choice of obedience to the Word of God. You choose to obey the Word. And, you know, no one really feels like forgiving. Uh, but here's the problem. If you don't forgive who's hurt you, you stay attached to that hurt and to that person or persons. And they go, well, that's just not fair. Well, probably not. But it's the way it is. So the hard part is, is that when you've really been abused and you've really been taken advantage of and you've had a lot of hurt and pain in your life, you know, it's like, wow, I just can't let them go because you, you feel like, well, if I, if I forgive them, it's, it's exonerating them. No, that's not it at all. When you choose to forgive, you're choosing to obey God's word. You're choosing to extend love and mercy just as God extended love and mercy to us. It's not based on our performance. He didn't, Forgive us because we acted right. One more time. He didn't forgive us because we acted right or because we will act right. He forgave us because he chose to forgive us. Isn't that amazing? He recognized that there was no way for us to be reconciled to him except him becoming sin with our sinfulness and the wrath of God against sin, he would take on the cross so that we could then have a relationship with Father. Wow. It, it's talking about good news. It is really good news. So we, we think for some reason, well, I can't forgive them because it's going to let them off the hook because they haven't come back and asked for forgiveness or they haven't done what's right. So again, if we had to do that, we're sunk because he forgave us while we were still sinners. So we can forgive, and that's really what he wants us to do is recognize that, well, if we don't forgive, we just stay bound in, in all the junk that's going on in every way. Getting angry and harboring unforgiveness literally throws open the door to demonic activity. And so when we choose to forgive, and it is a choice, it starts there, when you choose to forgive, that love in action begins to set us free. See, forgiveness is for us. You think, well, I'm letting somebody off the hook. No, it's letting you off the hook. It, it's for you. It, if God is love and love never fails, then love is the greatest force on the face of the earth. There's no greater force than love. Now, I'm talking about, I'm not talking about emotional love. I'm talking about the God love of laying your life down for someone else. That's agape love that God did. He laid his life down. It's an action. It's not just a feeling. There's nothing wrong with feelings, but that's, but that's what it is. It's an action. People say, well, I just can't forgive. And I, I always say, you can forgive because the forgiver lives in you. The power to forgive is there because Jesus is the one who's forgiven us. And so through the Spirit, really, he's given us the power to forgive. Um, you know, but again, we get caught up in the feelings and the hurt, and the pain. And I go, I understand that, but it's not going to get healed 
until you choose to forgive and you start walking in obedience to God's word. Because if you're waiting for a feeling, it's never going to come. You know, because that hurt and pain is, is so great. So you're choosing to obey God. You're choosing to love. And you start doing that, and you start forgiving and releasing them, and feelings will come later. You can't change what happened to you. There's nothing you can do about it. But I'll tell you what, you determine what it, the outcome of what it's going to do to you. You understand what I'm saying? You can't, if you were abused, you can't change that. If you were horribly molested, you, you can't change that event. But you really will determine how it's going to affect your life from here forward. Anytime you choose to forgive and to release and to bless and to move on and receive the grace that's in God, you know, you can get free. And then if you really walk in freedom, whatever the enemy has done to you, you can take that. God will give it back to you as a weapon to use against the enemy. We are, you may have been victimized, but we do not have to live as a victim. You may have been abused, but you don't have to live that way. You can be healed. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's, that's what Jesus is all about. Forgiveness really does release somebody. Um, if we hold on, bitterness, and just, we just, it kills us. Um, forgiving someone doesn't mean you agree with what they did to you. You know, if people say, well, I just can't do that because it wasn't right. They say it was right. Uh, you're, you're not agreeing with what they did or what somebody did to hurt you. No, you're, you're just choosing to forgive. You're choosing a higher road. You're choosing to love like God loved us. Um, you're choosing to extend mercy. I mean, just what Jesus did for us. Now, the truth of the matter is you have to forgive if you really want to live in freedom. Now, uh, people will say, well, but what about a relationship that's really, there's been a lot of hurt and abuse? You have to forgive, but you don't have to live in an abusive relationship. And that's what you've got to realize. You, you, you know, trust is earned, but you still have to forgive. But it doesn't mean you go back and get into an abusive relationship. So all of these things is so, so very, very important. Understanding the power of forgiveness is huge. We can forgive. We can release people. And uh, it's not because they are good or bad or even deserve it. You say they don't, you know, I have people say, well, they don't deserve that. You didn't deserve it. You know what I mean? We, we, we are looking at the wrong way. And that's why the, that parable, that story in Matthew 18 is so powerful. Because what he's saying is, look, I forgave you a debt that was that 10,000 talent debt. It's insurmountable. Un, there's no way you can pay it. And when people have hurt you, it's a little tiny debt. 